Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Minas Tirith Archives, History of Middle Earth podcast, where we dive deep into the histories of Middle Earth. My name is Phil, and I will be your guide for today's adventure back to Middle Earth. Today's episode is brought to you by Charlotte Hinton. Thank you so much for your support and for the encouraging message that you sent in. So for those not all uh, familiar yet uh, with the podcast and how it works, we basically pick a topic each week of a person or place, and then we dive deep into the history of that person or place. We are starting from the very beginning of the Fellowship of the Ring, and we just kind of follow along with the chapters of the book. Also, uh, we follow along with a another podcast. So if you haven't already, check out an unexpected podcast. It's a chapter-by-chapter reread of The Lord of the Rings by Ezra and Lane, and it's super fun, and they just dive deep into each chapter of the book. After each story, we will be going over questions anyone sends in. So if you have a question or something that you'd like to get answered, you can send it in to us a couple ways, either as a private message on the Facebook page, um, you can ask it in the group as well, or you can actually just send us an email to ministiritharchives at gmail.com, and we'll follow it or we'll answer it on a following episode. So, to start us off today, we're going to go a little bit over this coming week in Middle Earth history. So, today is August 7th, and this day in 2941, Bilbo and the dwarves were trekking around Mirkwood Forest, getting lost. On Saturday, August 10th, in the year 3019, will be King Theoden's funeral. The following day, August 11th, Bilbo and the dwarves are still lost in Mirkwood, trying to follow that trail. And the Shire is slowly being restored after the reckoning of the, the Shire, or excuse me, after the scouring of the Shire. And the last day we'll do is August 15th, and in 3019, that is the day that Treebeard releases Saruman and Grima from the Tower of Orthanc. So a little bit of a chapter recap. For chapter three, we meet several new characters like Sam, Mary, Pippin, and our first elf, Gildor. Frodo officially starts his quest to Rivendell. He sails back in to Lobelia and starts moving his belongings. The hobbits have their first encounter with a black rider after the riders start their search for someone by the name of Baggins. Sam's father gets questioned by one, and shortly after, the hobbits run into Gildor and his company, who they then befriend and follow for a short while. So now on to our main topic for today, Samwise Gamgee. Good old Master Samwise. Samwise Gamgee, known as Sam for short, was a hobbit of the Shire. Born on April 6th, 2980 of the Third Age, which would be 1380 by Shire Reckoning, Sam was Frodo's best friend as well as his gardener. Sam proved himself to be Frodo's closest friend and by far the most dependable companion and played a critical role in protecting Frodo and destroying the One Ring. You've left out one of the chief characters, Samwise the Brave. I want to hear more about Sam. Frodo wouldn't have got far without Sam. Now, Mr. Frodo, you shouldn't make fun. I was being serious. 
so was I. Sam was the youngest son of Hamfast and Bell Gamgee. He was the youngest of many brothers and sisters, such as Hampson, Halfred, Daisy, May, and Marigold. A gardener by trade, Sam seemed to be a simple hobbit of plain speech. However, his love for the elves, his gift for poetry, and his belief that the world contained greater wonders than most hobbits were aware of, thanks to the stories from Bilbo Baggins, set him apart from the very beginning. He lived with his father, Hamfast Gamgee, who is more commonly known as the Gaffer. A few will argue against the fact that Sam was the strongest willed of the hobbits and possessed incredible courage. The unbreakable bond he had with Frodo was a reason why Sam agreed to go with Frodo to the fires of Mount Doom. His friendship, and also stubbornness, is what made him refuse to let Frodo go off on his own after the Battle of Amon-Hen. Nearly dying in the process, he chased down Frodo so he would never leave his side. I, I made a promise, Mr. Frodo. A promise. Don't you leave him, Samwise Gamgee. And I don't mean to. I don't mean to. We know Sam gets his stubbornness and courage from his father, who, when questioned by a ringwraith, stood his ground. Sam and his father live at number three Bagshot Row in the Shire, which was not all that far from Bag End. Sam's mother was Belle Goodchild. Sam was also one of the conspirators who were summoned by Mary Brandybuck in order to watch over Frodo Baggins and the ring inherited by him. Being the closest to Frodo, Sam was their chief investigator, who eavesdropped on his talks with Gandalf the wizard. As punishment for eavesdropping, after being caught listening to Gandalf's conversation with Frodo regarding the dangers of the One Ring, Gandalf chose Sam to be Frodo's companion on his journey to Rivendell. Sam saved Frodo's life more than once during this quest to destroy the ring and accompanied him the entire way to Mount Doom. The sword Sam used throughout the War of the Ring was found in the Barrow Downs and was of Numenorean descent. It was a small short sword, or really dagger, that had a leaf-like blade that widened then thinned out towards the tip. He also used Sting for a short time when he thought Frodo had died. The sword he used was created by the Dunedain of Cardalon during the, their war against the Witch King of Agmar. After the fall of Cardalon, at least four of these daggers ended up in the tomb of the last prince of that realm who fell in TA 1409. On 28 September 3018, Frodo, Sam, Merry, and Pippin became lost in the Barrow Downs and were captured by one of the Barrow Whites and imprisoned in the tomb. Frodo was able to call Tom Bombadil to their aid, and he was able to open the tomb and drive out the Whites. Tom gave each of them a dagger from the tomb and told them their history. After they finally reached Rivendell, Sam was beside Frodo's bed while he was recovering from the Morgul wound he was inflicted on Weathertop. Sam was then caught eavesdropping on the Council of Elrond shortly after and insisted that he accompany Frodo on his quest to destroy the ring. Sam grew to be even more courageous than ever and more strong-willed while on the quest to destroy the One Ring. He learned everything from combat to survival skills and grew into a warrior, a warrior brave enough to even take on a massive spider without hesitation. After Shelob attacked Frodo and stung him, Sam took the ring, intended to com- intending to complete the quest on his own since he thought Frodo had been killed. Sam then fought Shelob and is said to have killed her, although we don't know for sure since she crawled back into her lair. 
although from the wounds she received, it's highly probable she didn't make it. After learning Frodo was still in fact alive, he then fought his way to the top of Kirith Ungol to free him, just in time before Frodo was about to be killed for good, too. Because Sam held the ring for a short time, he was actually considered one of the ring bearers, and during the time he possessed the ring, it tempted him with visions of a great garden all for himself. Being humble, Sam never gave in to the treacherous visions and temptations of the ring, and returned it when discovered Frodo alive in the tower of Kirithungal. Sam and Bilbo were the only ones to ever have given up the ring willingly, and Sam was the only one who surrendered it readily. After a short recovery and gathering themselves again, Sam and Frodo made their way to Mount Doom, disguised as orcs since Frodo had now all of his belongings taken away. The way to Mount Doom was filled with fiery rocks and ash, which made it almost impossible for the hobbits to pass. When Frodo collapsed from weakness, Sam carried him up the slopes of Mount Doom, only to be stopped by Gollum. And I just have to interject, this part of the movie always gives me crazy chills, between like the music of that flute, I think it is, and just those like high notes that it hits and it just perfectly matches the scenario to Sam's then screaming, you know, come on, Mr. Frodo, I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you. And it just gives me like chills thinking about it, but it's such an incredibly powerful scene and it's one of my all-time favorite scenes. Sam delayed Gollum while Frodo walked on to the volcano. Unfortunately, as Sam followed Frodo up and entered the door of Samoth Naur, he didn't notice Gollum following behind. Sam, Sam yelled for Frodo to destroy the ring, but Frodo was overcome by its power and claimed the run ring for himself, putting it on his finger and disappearing from sight. Just then, Gollum attacked Sam, who fell back and hit his head on a rock, temporarily knocking him unconscious. He quickly came to where he saw Gollum fighting with an invisible Frodo. Then Gollum bit Frodo's finger off, ring and all. 
Gollum was finally reunited with his treasure, but only for a short time. Until dancing with joy, he toppled off the brink and fell into the depths, destroying the one ring and of course dying in the process. The two hobbits managed to escape the crumbling mountain just as the volcano started erupting, only to be left helpless and alone on top of a giant rock. As their demise approached, Sam confessed his love for the beautiful hobbit, Rosie Cotton, who was a fellow resident of Hobbiton that he dreamed of marrying one day. Sam and Frodo eventually collapsed and blacked out from the exhaustion, but were spotted by Gwaihir, the Lord of the Eagles, and with his eagle companions, Landreval and Melador, excuse me, Meneldor, rescued Sam and Frodo and flew them to the safety of Minas Tirith. After recovering from their strenuous and substantial injuries, Frodo and Sam were reunited with the rest of the Fellowship, who praised the two halflings for completing their quest. Sam and the rest of the hobbits remained in Gondor to bear witness to Aragorn's coronation ceremony. Many of Middle-earth's esteemed leaders and famed warriors were in attendance as the new king of Gondor was crowned. King Aragorn greeted the four brave hobbits who stood before him. Aragorn and the, and the rest of the city bowed to the four halflings in admiration for their incredibly brave acts that secured the safety of all Middle-earth. With the threat of Sauron's return vanquished and the One Ring destroyed, the four hobbits returned to the Shire, where they settled in once again. After the scouring of the Shire, of course. Sam also married his longtime crush, Rosie Cotton. They had a total of 13 children. Eleanor the Fair, Frodo, Rose, Mary, Pippin, Coldilocks, Hamfast, Daisy, Primrose, Bilbo, Ruby, Robin, and Tolman. Or just Tom. Sam was given other gifts from Galadriel as well that included a Malorn tree nut and a blessing that his plants will grow beautiful and lush at an accelerated rate. This gift led to the only Malorn tree west of the mountains and east of the sea. After Frodo announced his departing to the Undying Lands, he left Bag End to the Gamgee family, along with the Red Book of Westmarch, for Sam to finish, and the household of Bag End, where he and his large personal family later called the Gardeners, would live for many years. After Will Whitfoot resigned his post as mayor of Mickledelving in a Shire Reckoning 1427, Sam was elected mayor of the Shire for seven consecutive seven-year terms. After his wife died in the year 61 of the Fourth Age, or 1482 in Shire Reckoning, Sam entrusted the Red Book to his daughter, Eleanor, and left the Shire. In Sam's old age, he was permitted to enter he was permitted to enter the Undying Lands, an honor bestowed upon him for being a ring-bearer and his help given to Frodo. It is unknown when Sam passed away, but he was last seen leaving for the Undying Lands in the Fourth Age 61 after his wife died. Sam was 102 years old at this time. So there you have it, the history of Samwise Gamgee, the man who pushed Frodo farther than he ever thought he could go. Next week... We will be going over Peregrine Took. Alright, so on to listener questions. This week we have one question, uh, but it was actually asked by two different people. But the one I have saved, it was originally from Shomari Robinson. And sorry if I pronounced your name wrong. Um, I feel like I got it. I think I got it. <laughs> um, your question is... What is your views on the possibility of successfully bringing the War of Wrath to the big screen? Do you think it is possible to successfully capture the essence of that battle? 
And I would say it doesn't look like the TV show is going to go back that far. Um, so I don't see it coming to the big screen anytime soon, at least. Hopefully, you know, it would be amazing to see. Um, but just, you know, being realistic, it's going to either we're probably not going to see it or it's just going to be way down the road. But who knows, you know, as for do I think they'd be able to do it? I would honestly say yes, 100%. Between, you know, if we look at other movies and TV series, just seeing like what's been done with dragons and things like that for like Game of Thrones and what they were able to do with them in terms of just like the CGI and the realism that they could, you know, bring these things to life, basically. And then look at like this Pirates of the Caribbean series where all the different things they do out on the sea and all the magic, I guess you could call it, that kind of happens all through those and where they're just like rotating through like different dimensions while they're on the sea. It's just like the crazy effects that they have and the creativity in general across the board. And between like those and some of the other movies, like, I mean, even the Lord of the Rings. Um, but I, I definitely would say, yes, yeah, so we have the technology and the people that have the creativity and the skill set to bring those things to life, make it believable, to make the flooding of Beleriand. You know, that would be, I mean, a cool but sad scene with all, you know, the hundred million disaster end of the world movies we have out there now. And between like just, you know, kind of what we see in other movies, bits and pieces, I think they could bring it all together. If, of course, big disclaimer, they had the right people, which anything Lord of the Rings, I would assume is going to get enough funding and support. And the people putting it together are going to know kind of what they're dealing with and, you know, the pressure that's behind it. So they're going to be pretty serious about who they pick out for stuff. So, I mean, in my personal opinion, uh, yes, to your question, I fully believe that it, it will, if it ever happens on the big screen, that it will be done and it will be one hell of a scene in battle uh, to watch. All right, last bit before I let you go. If you do want more content, feel free to follow our Facebook page, Ministerith Archives, History of Middle Earth. We have some content on there that won't be able to make it onto the podcast until later on. Um, but we do have a lot more on there um, that spans through all most of the books. Um, so if you're looking for a specific person or place or anything, uh, check out there. We do have a website that's about to launch. I'm hoping to have it done this week. Um, not every last bit of our content will be on there right away. I've been kind of adding in all of the content onto the site slowly but surely. It takes a little bit, especially like I was just about to finish off the Easterlings. And then I clicked on something and it just deleted everything and there was no undoing it. So I had to take a break from that. Um, so that kind of slowed me down a little bit, but I hope to at least just get it up and out um, for you guys to enjoy and it'll make it super easy. There's a search function where you can type in whatever you want and pull up that person if I have them done already and you know any other people or places connected to that person. And we'll have like a contact us section about and eventually, um, if all goes well, at a little store where we'll have our t-shirts and stickers and all sorts of random little um, History of Middle Earth podcast memorabilia stuff that you'll be able to purchase. 
And that is all for this week's episode. If you liked it, feel free to subscribe and leave a review. If you didn't, keep it to yourself. Just kidding. Um, Let us know if there's anything we can fix and anything you want it to be added into the show uh, that you think people others would enjoy. Uh, We're fully open to any and all advice and any ideas. And just a quick quick reminder, um, our email is ministeryeartharchives at gmail.com. I believe it is on our Facebook page as well, too. Um, So feel free to contact us pretty much any way you deem necessary. Send in your questions if you want them read. Don't forget to swing over to an unexpected podcast and give those guys a follow as well. Thank you so much for listening. I hope to see you back next week. Till next time, I'm your host, Phil, and you're listening to the History of Middle Earth Podcast.